12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. This is 12 to 1 with me, Adrian Abraham. Joining me on the line, I've got ABC News journalist Jason Dacey, former host of the Weekend Morning Show, right here on the station. Jason, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing fine, Adrian. Good to be with you once again to talk about Australian news. And so much has happened since we last talked. Sydney has been in the news. The Delta variant it looks like it's not slowing down anytime soon. What's happening over there? Well, it's a pretty grim picture, Adrian. You know, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, Sydney was in lockdown along with Brisbane, Perth and Darwin. And we thought that maybe it would just be a few days and it would be over. But now... The other cities have uh, had their lockdowns lifted, but Sydney's now in its fourth week of lockdown. And the Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, the Premier of New South Wales, has announced that the lockdown will be extended for at least another two weeks. Every day we're getting something like 100 new locally acquired cases in the state of New South Wales. We have uh, plenty of people uh, on life support. Uh, we had a couple of people die early this week. There was a 70-year-old man who sadly passed away from COVID-19. It's a very grim situation in New South Wales in the greater Sydney area, and there's no end in sight with the Delta variant running rampant through the community. Jason, for a country like Australia, how has the situation got so bad? Because Australia had the COVID-19 pandemic under control for a long period. Where did it go wrong? Well, I think Australia took its eye off the ball when it came to the vaccine rollout. It was very leisurely. It was very slow. I think the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, and some of the state premiers thought it was all, almost over. And then suddenly these breaches in hotel quarantine we saw and the Delta variant coming into the state of New South Wales. And we got caught. You know, we've only got um, you know a small percentage of people vaccinated in Australia compared to other nations. We're really behind the eight ball in that way. And, uh, you know, just telling you exact figures, 9.3% of Australians are fully vaccinated. 17.6% have received only one dose. And we're ranked 38 out of 38 in the OECD countries. So it, lack of urgency, I think, in the rollout really has cost Australia now. And it's not just New South Wales. We saw, and not just the Sydney area, we saw some removalists traveling to Melbourne uh, from Sydney and they have been diagnosed with COVID-19 and they moved furniture into an apartment block in Melbourne. And as a result, there's a heightened COVID alert in Melbourne and um, there's an apartment block that's on lockdown there. So with this COVID outbreak in Sydney, it's giving a lot of other parts uh, of Australia a big, big wake up call. Even when I am talking to you here in Queensland, I'm a bit concerned because you never know who's going to sneak in and maybe bring the Delta variant through. Uh, so, yeah, Australia was leading the world when it came to coronavirus. Now we're trailing the world. Yeah, frightening statistics that you brought up there in terms of the vaccination rollout, of course. Very uncertain time, particularly for you over there in Australia. But, you know, let's talk support measures. What's the government and the prime minister doing to, you know, make sure Australians are a little bit more comfortable and not worrying too much? Much. Yeah, indeed. We had uh, something called JobKeeper last year that was across Australia when we went into lockdown. And that was something that really helped businesses keep employees. Now, with uh, Sydney going into this uh, fourth week of lockdown, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison has announced that businesses will receive up to $10,000 per week 
if they can demonstrate a 30% decline in turnover. And there's also individual payments for people of up to $375 for those employees who have lost up to 20 hours of work. And that means that the government is trying to encourage companies to hold on to their staff by giving these payments out. And that's what worked so well during the first stage of coronavirus last year. And Australia's unemployment rate of only around 5% is uh, similar to what it was before the pandemic. There are actually more people working now than there were before the pandemic started. So the government is hoping that these emergency COVID-19 payments to affected workers will help lessen the economic blow. But when we look at New South Wales, it's the, I guess, a third of Australia's economy. It's 35% of GDP. Victoria is around 25%. So New South Wales being the biggest state in terms of population and also in economic clout, it's very, very important that the government does everything to keep it going. And these relief payments are being shared by the New South Wales state government and also the federal government. Yeah, it's good to see some support measures as well. But the vaccine rollout is still, you know, an element of concern. The time period between the first and second doses, of course, has been in the news. Governments are, you know, reducing that time period. What's happening in Australia in terms of are they following a similar sort of process or are they going against the grain? Well, obviously, the main vaccine that we have here is AstraZeneca because it's locally produced. There aren't as many uh, doses of Pfizer available. And the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has urged Australians to get their second dose of AstraZeneca after two months instead of three if they had to be in hotspot areas. Now, I can speak from personal experience here because I had my first dose of AstraZeneca. I was talking about it on your show you know, a few weeks ago, about a month ago. So now I'm reassessing what I need to do. But this does go against the recommended time of 12 weeks because that was the premium time that you need in between doses to lessen the risk of COVID-19 exposure. So, you know, it's causing a bit of uh, consternation. And I guess a lot of people are concerned about AstraZeneca, those under 60, because of the small risk of blood clots. So again, this is a, a problem that Australia's had with its vaccine rollout, that many Aussies are a bit hesitant about taking AstraZeneca, which is the most widely available vaccine. But the good news is that around a million Australians every week are now taking vaccines, at least one dose of vaccine. So that is an improvement, but we've got a long way to go. If they reduce the timings, it will work out much better. The vaccine rollouts, of course, different governments are all doing it differently. Yeah, we can only hope that the majority get their vaccination so that we'll all be better prepared and protected, of course. You have an interesting story, a super yacht trying to sneak into Queensland to avoid COVID-19 rules. Now, the individuals on the yacht have been fined as a result. But firstly, what happened? Secondly, how do you prevent these sort of encounters? Well, it's quite difficult to uh, prevent these kind of things happening because everyone wants to get out of Sydney now. And this happened last week. We've got the rugby series between Australia and France taking place. I know we're going to speak about that shortly. But uh, four men, including a boss of an ASX listed company, which is a high flying company, they were fined after traveling from Sydney to Queensland aboard a luxury super yacht that costs up to $18,000 to hire. And they had the idea that they could get uh, from Sydney to Southeast. Queensland to the Gold Coast Southport and go and watch the rugby match. So they were on this 34 meter super yacht Dreamtime and they got off there and then drove about an hour to Lang Park to watch the Wallabies, the Australian rugby team, play France. But they were 
caught by the Queensland Police and Maritime Safety Queensland. They found the men a, day, a few days later, placed them in the hotel quarantine. So they had to pay around $3,000. And of course, Australian and Singapore dollar are about parity at the moment for the hotel quarantine. They were also fined $4,000, putting misleading information on their declaration passes. Thankfully, all have tested negative to COVID-19, which is a big relief because they were in the stadium with uh, you know, 25,000 other people to watch that rugby international. So there is a $4,000 fine for them, but it could have been up to $13,000, $14,000 or six months imprisonment. So people are very, very concerned now about, you know, I guess, uh, lawbreakers trying to sneak into the state of Queensland where I am. Yeah, speaking of rugby, really quickly, Jason, New Zealand-born rugby union star Quade Cooper has been refused Australian citizenship despite playing for the national team on 70 occasions. He moved to Australia when he was 13. And of course, he said once he received the application uh, and he knew it was rejected, it was quite awkward. He's played for the Wallabies between 2008 and 2017. Why has this happened? Well, that's really a bit of a shocker, isn't it? Because Quade Cooper was a, a bit of a household name. You know, he played in the, in the Rugby World Cup. And of course, he had that New Zealand heritage, which made the matches against the All Blacks very, very tasty indeed. I find it mind-boggling that he hasn't uh, been granted that respect he should be given for having served the country on 70 times. I think that's outrageous, actually. Yeah, it is outrageous. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist, of course, former host of the Weekend Morning Show right here on Money FM 89.3. Jacinda Ardern has also been in the news. She plans to bring Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin together for a November meeting hosted by New Zealand. Jason, what's the latest surrounding this issue? Yeah, actually, there is that meeting in November. But before that, she wants to bring them together this Friday to talk about how the Asia Pacific can respond to COVID-19 and its economic impact. Of course, uh, Ms. Ardern is really growing in stature across the world as New Zealand's Prime Minister. She was scheduled to host the 21-nation Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Forum Summit online, but she's brought it forward because she said this is the first time in APEX history that leaders have had an additional meeting at leaders' level. It reflects our desire to navigate together out of the COVID-19 pandemic and economic crisis. So I know it's crossed the ditch in New Zealand but I think it's wonderful that, you know, Miss Ardern has got such stature amongst world leaders and she can bring together unlikely bedfellows like uh, Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin for this uh, virtual summit. Yeah, and what a leader she is, as you mentioned there. Time to talk a bit of sports as well. Of course, we briefly touched on the rugby, but the basketball, the last time we talked, Ben Simmons had pulled out of the Australian men's basketball team, but Australia have gone and beat the USA. This after the USA lost to Nigeria all-star team we mentioned earlier the likes of Kevin Durant Devin Booker Jason Tatum Damian Lillard just to mention a few something's of course gone right but is there hope for this Australian men's basketball team or was this just a sort of one-off well there's definitely hope but we can't read too much into this uh, victory by Australia over the star-studded American team. It is a warm-up game, so the fact that they've won it does give them encouragement. Before that, they beat Argentina in a warm-up game. 91-83 to 83 was the score. Paddy Mills, who plays in the NBA, scoring 22 points. The Americans actually led by 10 points uh, during this game, and uh, it was a great comeback uh, from the Aussies to get the victory. Australia's never won a men's basketball medal, but we have 
have got fourth, I think, on three or four occasions, including the last Olympics. So there is hope for Australia. I think uh, our men's basketball team has a decent shot at a, at a bronze medal. And Ben Simmons not being there is obviously a bit of a setback. But they seem to be gelling quite well. But you've got to ask what's gone wrong with the, with the U.S. team. Is this just something to develop some combinations? And are they going to get it together when it really counts when Japan's Olympics start? Yeah, I saw Ben Simmons on TV last week. He was at Wimbledon, spotted with Maya Jama, the TV presenter, of course, very well known in the UK. There was also the match between Australia and France, Jason, in the rugby. What went on there? Yeah, this is the rugby series we were talking about earlier, those uh, sailors trying to sneak in to watch the series. The game was actually in Melbourne, which is uh, coping quite well with the lockdown at the moment or with uh, coronavirus. No lockdown in Melbourne, only in, in Sydney. So a good win by the French to level up the series there in Melbourne. And Australia's rugby team had just sneaked home that, that first match. But it means that um, we are now headed for a decider here in Brisbane. The young French team, they've left a lot of top players behind and they're doing really, really well. They've got a lot of debutants, but getting the victory over the Wallabies uh, earlier this week was a big one for them. And actually they were behind uh, towards the end of the match. They had led earlier on, but there was a late penalty for the French and they did get the victory by a couple of points. So they thoroughly deserved it. They were a bit unlucky not to win the first test. So we are going uh, to the next match to decide the series. But Australian rugby, you know, we're two-time world champions. We won in 1991 and 1999, but we've really gone backwards in terms of our stature. I think we're number, I think number seven in the world. It was actually the first time in 31 years that France has won on Australian soil with that 78th minute penalty, giving them a 28 to 26 win. So I know a lot of Singapore listeners are big fans of the All Blacks. The All Blacks are still way, way above Australia when it comes to rugby prowess. Yeah, it's certainly a fall from grace. I remember uh, way back when Australia was playing England against Johnny Wilkinson and so on. And, you know, what a different era that was. Just before I let you go, Jason, you went on a family trip to the southern end of the Gold Coast, a community split by states and time zones. Of course, this all sounds very, you know, interesting. Tell me more about this trip that you took. Yeah, well, as people know, we did have lockdown here in Queensland, but that was lifted before the end of the school holidays. So we thought, what could we do? And a lot of uh, Singaporeans will be familiar with, um, you know, Service Paradise and maybe Burley and, and maybe Southport. But we decided to go down to the very southern end of the Gold Coast to Coolangatta, and that's the twin town of Coolangatta and Tweed Heads. So we parked the car at the beach and we did this walk. It was probably about a 30 minute walk. And we said, let's walk to New South Wales because that's where the border is. It's, uh, you know, one side of the street is Queensland and that's in Coolangatta. And the other side of the street is New South Wales. And in the summer months when we have daylight savings, you can cross a street and the time zone is one hour different. At the moment, it's the time zone's the same because of uh, being in winter. But uh, once we get to October, we have this very confusing different time zone in an area that really is the same, ta same community. There is that sort of border community. So fascinating part of the world and a lovely beach. We even jumped in the ocean, me and my daughter. The water's still, you know, it's fresh, but it's still nice. Had lunch there, you know, beautiful view of the beach. And we were in Queensland, which has, of course, not got the same problems that New South Wales does. And we were looking over into New South Wales and thinking, well, I'm very happy to be in Queensland at the moment, given what we've seen with the Delta variant in the state of New South Wales, particularly in Sydney.
Always enjoy these tales you have to share at the end of all our segments. It's very unique, to say the least. We've been in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist and former host of the weekend morning show on Money FM 89.3. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show and uh, look forward to catching up in a few weeks. Thank you very much, Adrian, and everyone in Singapore. Stay safe. And I know I talk a lot about Singapore food. I want everyone to know out there that I am making authentic te halia in my own kitchen. I'm cutting up the ginger. I'm getting the evaporated milk. I just can't get the ambience of the Hawker Center, but it's the next best thing. A man of many talents, Jason Daisy. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.